Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new. What's up, guys? This is Jake Carlisle, and welcome to the Capital Gains Podcast, where we share our experiences on how to flip and invest in real estate, the stock market, and all things fitness. Join us as we dive deep into the world of self-development and get ready to make some capital gains. Uh, lasers is uh, guided by lasers, essentially, so it doesn't have the same issue. So if they have to reconfigure their entire self-driving apparatus, then that's going to put them behind the competition, which is a counter narrative to what the majority say. They say that Tesla's so far ahead of the competition, no one can catch up. So they might have anyway. been like what three years ago. Yeah, look, they have more. They have more data. They have more miles on the road by a wide margin. But another point that I have is people don't buy cars like they do phones. So a lot of times people would like to compare Tesla to say Apple that just dominates the phone market. Yeah. The problem with that is people don't care necessarily about having the flashiest phone, right? It's not a social status symbol because everyone can afford it. Not everyone can afford different price points of cars. So they become a status symbol and people like variety in cars. I just don't foresee a world where you have a 90% fleet of Teslas. That's like, I, I honestly hear that a lot too. When a lot of people's bull cases, they're like every other car on the road is going to be a Tesla. You, I also don't understand why a lot of people feel as if other manufacturers will have such a difficult time, like creating and adopting the technology that's supposedly so far ahead. Like these companies have been around one for so long. They've clearly been able to adapt through different, like uh, vertical vehicles, I should say. And right. on top of that, like, like, why does everyone think they're so stupid? Like, like, as if they just won't know how to make this electric car. And why can't they just hire away the talent from Tesla? Tesla's infamous for losing talent because of their working conditions. And so if these companies have massive war chests and are extremely profitable, why, why can they not hire away the talent? And it really comes down to manufacturing. This is what we said the last time we talked about this, is people forget that Tesla is a car company. Like they're a manufacturer. And so technology is great, but you still have to manufacture the damn vehicles. <laughs> and these companies, Ford, GM, et cetera, they have manufacturing down. They're really good at manufacturing. Yeah, you so. see the videos, you could be anyone who is anyone has seen a video of a Ford factory where a truck gets put together by robots, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no. Okay, well, I did start recording just because why not? Um, everyone likes to hear the word Tesla. Welcome back <laughs> to Capital Gains Podcast, episode number 43. Today, I'm sitting here with Sam is back with us, and our guest today is my friend from home and now real estate agent down in Florida, Maddie. And yeah, introduce yourself to the people. Uh, well, hello, my name is Matthew Merriam and uh, you know, I picked up real estate down in Florida. Um, you know, thank you for having me on the podcast. I do listen to every episode. Uh, you know, you guys are doing a great job on it uh, and you've had some great guests. So, you know, I'm, you know, going along the journey with you guys. Awesome. Yeah, yeah no. Um, so for those who don't know, I am from Massachusetts, and I just said Maddie is in Florida. And Maddie, how old are you? I am 20 years old, and I turn 21 on January 25th. So turning that corner. Big day. Oh yeah. <laughs> send you a bottle of whiskey. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess what I'm getting to here is how did you end up across the country at 20 years old? And from what I know, had no intentions of becoming a real estate agent and we're going to, we're in the criminal justice program at school back home. Yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, that is correct. I had no intentions on uh, being a real estate agent. I honestly didn't know much about it. Um, you know, I, I kind of was following along with uh, what I should be doing, going to college and, you know, picking a, a degree and a route that I feel that I should go down. And I feel like a lot of the time I was going to college, you know, to for approval from my grandparents and, you know, approval from my parents. And it's kind of just what you did. Um, and it wasn't until COVID hit that I kind of started looking differently at things. Um, everything went online. School wasn't the same. Uh, the program that I was working for, it was much less involved. Um, and it kind of, I lost my spark uh, for pursuing being a police officer and, and uh, going down that route. Um, but I honestly, I, I took a vacation down in Florida uh, a year ago in the summer. And uh, when I came down here, it was just a different environment. Um, you know, leaving Massachusetts, everything's mask up, locked down. Um, you know, you're not too, seeing too many familiar faces. Um, you're not walking into grocery stores and, and having conversations with people. Um, I came down here and, you know, you, you bump into someone and all of a sudden you're in a 45 minute to two hour long conversation. And it's just a, you know, I got a lot of value out of those conversations. I was, it was a different, uh, I guess, level um, that I haven't really experienced. Um, I was meeting people that have done things and, you know, are looking to do more things. And uh, in the college environment, I think people kind of just get comfortable with going with the flow. And uh, that was something that, you know, I could really never get myself accustomed to. I didn't like having a schedule. I didn't like, uh, you know, making other people money uh, in terms of working an hourly. But uh, I saw what my uncle down here was doing. He was working real estate and uh, he kind of just showed me what he was doing. And he was really just talking to people, meeting people. Um, and when he said that to me, that, you know, it is just really meeting people, I didn't really believe him at first. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started looking into it a little bit. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff on the technical side of real estate that seemed a, a little intimidating. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm just this college kid, I have a part time job, full time student, you know, who am I to be able to go down there? And, you know, sell people houses. Um, and, you know, I started, you know, really focusing on, on myself and uh, learning how real estate works and, and, you know, all the ins and outs of the business. And once I was able to kind of get a hang of that, it was all really just applying it from there. Um, you know, once I came down here, I, I kind of just dove headfirst in. Um, it wasn't like I, I came down here and had like a training seminar or anything like that. Like, I just went to my first showing and started off the bat. Um, and once I went to that first showing, I, I loved it. I wanted to go to a new, another one, another one. And I started just kind of going out there and doing it and everything kind of fell into place for me. Um, so, you know, I'm at the point where uh, I'm talking to clients every day. I'm, you know, working with them every single day and it's, I'm not doing it for the money side of it. I'm more doing it to, you know, establish those relationships and meet as many people as I can. Uh, I think it's really all about, you know, connections and, and you know, expanding your network. Yeah, I think 
out of all of my friends, one thing I admire most is like, a, like we were just talking about before the show is how you're able to actually like be present. And that's obviously a big part of what you're doing. But one of the things that you said to me before, this is a while ago that stuck out the most on why you, one of the other reasons you kind of decided to switch paths was you said that when you're a police officer, you spend your whole life seeing their people, seeing people at their worst. And as a real estate agent, it's the exact opposite. You get to see people buying their house, maybe their first house. Like it's a big moment in their life. It's something to celebrate. Yes, exactly. And it's, uh, you know, that it, it's something that's very important to me. I mean, I was, I grew up with a single mother um, and she, you know, she was in school all of her life. She has her master's um, and yet she's still not making the biggest chunk of change. You know, she's out there and she's helping people on, you know, the level she feels comfortable at. Um, but what she's doing is she's she's making an impact and a change on, you know, where she can and where, you know, making a change where she wants to see it. Um, and, you know, she works for the sheriff's office. She's a recovery coach. Um, and I think, you know, her being in that environment, I was able to go in there and have conversations with some of her clients and the people she was working with. And, you know, the, the environment itself, it, it was really uplifting to see all the people kind of come together. Um, they were all, you know, were battling the same demons and, you know, were fighting the same fights. Um, and so it was really amazing to me to kind of go in there and see her um, so passionate about making a change in these people's lives and get, you know, getting them on the right track. Um, and so that kind of made me look at what, what I was pursuing and where I was going. And, uh, you know, being a police officer, it's, it's a tough job and it's not made for everyone. It's, um, it's especially tough that, these last couple of years. Exactly. I mean, they're going through a rough patch right now, you know, to say the least, but it's, uh, in terms of being a police officer every single day, like no one's happy to see you <laughs> when you're pulling some over, they're not like, Oh, thank God. A police officer, you know, you're dealing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, somebody get a speeding up. ticket. Exactly. And most people they're driving on the road. They're looking out for them, making sure they don't have to interact. with them. So it's like a lot of people, they, you know, interacting with the police officer isn't the highlight of their day. Um, and, you know, I have always had this drive and motivation to, you know, change, you know, just be able to make, create an impact for people in their lives and, uh, you know, change it for the better. And, you know, I always thought that going to be a police officer, I would be able to do that um, on, you know, a first level basis, like person to person. Um, but I realized that, you know, you can only change so many people's lives and, you know, the, the structure of uh, the police department and, um, how they interact with everything. It's, it's a hierarchy. You know, you have, you kind of have to kiss the mask to, to climb the ranks there. Um, and I, I never, um, I, I just didn't see that something as a, too appealing to me, you know, in real estate, I, I'm seeing, I'm making people smiles come on their face. I, I'm being able to, to interact with dip, all sorts of different types of people. I mean, I'm selling either, you know, a $250,000 house or a 1.5 million, you know, the clients are the same. Um, and even with rentals too, I was talking to Zach a little bit before, um, but I had these rental clients and they're looking for 1500 a month, which in Jupiter is honestly, that's on the very lower end, uh, of pricing for rentals. Um, and I've talked on the phone with them for, you know, 15 to 17 hours of just, you know, conversation about life and, you know, just anything in general. And it's not, uh, you know, those are people that I'm going to be friends with and connected to for life. Um. You know, it's being able to establish those relationships and, and meet those kinds of people that you kind of get to hear their experiences and be able to learn 
uh, vicariously through their mistakes, like what they've been through. Um, so I think it's cool to have the opportunity to kind of, I guess, hear their stories and hear their experiences from all over the country. I mean, those clients were from Utah. I have clients from New Jersey and New York. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of different people that grow up in different environments. And so they have different perspectives on things and it's really interesting to learn about. But taking it back a little bit, when you decided to make that shift, you gave us the catalyst for making that shift. Mm -hmm. And you said, I decided to really start working on myself. What did that look like for you? Cause I think there's a lot of people who want to make a change in their life and they're, they're scared to do it. So, you know, what we try and do is lay out kind of a roadmap for, if you want to be different and there's nothing wrong with, with going to school and following the norm and getting a good paying job, all those things are great, right? The audience that we talk to a lot are people who want to go down a different path. And so could you maybe lay out, we know the motivation, right? Your mom, you a single mom, she works hard. You saw that something needed to be different in your life. You weren't happy with where you are. And I think there's a lot of people in that situation. They're, they're not happy with where they are. They're not happy with the status quo, but they don't know how to make that change. So what did it look like for you when you worked, you know, you started working on yourself? What does that look like? Um, so, you know, that's a great question. Uh, it it kind of was a spark, honestly. Um, I, I'm going to say starting out, um, my mom recommended a book to me uh, called Untethered Soul because, I mean, I was going through a lot of battles in my mind. I was very kind of wrapped up with, uh, you know, what was going on up there. So I kind of looked at it uh, from an outside perspective and, you know, realized that it's a problem and it's a problem that no one else but myself can control. Um, and you know, a video popped up when I was kind of scrolling through my phone and it was released by, uh, Andy Frisella, who has been, you know, kind of the, the head director. I, I listened to all of his podcasts, you know, he's a huge motivator for me. Um, but I listened to his video. It's, it's five ways to dominate your bitch voice. And the, what I got out of that video really, it, it created this different spark, this different change in my life. Cause I realized it's in my control. Um, and you know, where you are in life right now is a reflection, a reflection of your actions and decisions that you've made prior. Um, so, you know, the only way to change the future is to change what you're doing on a daily basis. And it's, it's the small things that count. It's the small things that matter. Um, you know, a lot of the time I'd, you know, be able to talk myself out of doing stuff like going to the gym, working out or eating right. I mean, no one knows how to convince yourself more than you. <laughs> so, um, honestly it, it was kind of just taking accountability and, and looking in the mirror and being like, all right, um, no one's going to come in and, and set everything up for me. You know, it's something I have to learn. I need to adapt. Um, and, you know, the only way to really do that for me personally was to go out and, and experience it in real life. Um, I mean, growing up, even in school, like I just, I never really was able to learn through a textbook or able to learn in that method. Um, even through videos or someone else doing it, it wasn't until I was actually in it doing it that I felt that I was learning. Uh, and the more I did it, the better I got. I mean, I feel like it's, it's really like that with uh, a lot of different aspects of life. But I think that, you know, self accountability, uh, it was a huge thing for me. Um, because I mean, what you're doing behind closed doors when no one's watching it, it matters. Um, you know, it's easy to, to kind of, say you did something and not, um, but you deep down, you know, you're lying. Um, and so that affects your confidence levels that affects everything. Um, so really trying to be self-aware and, uh, 
I mean, not being too critical of yourself. Not to interrupt you, but like even your stress levels, like every time somebody asks you something about what you're doing, how you're doing, and even if you just like brush over some blemishes in your life and like a make it look prettier and it, you could have good intentions on why you do it because you don't want that person to worry about you like having troubles like struggling or something or you could go the other way and you just want to seem better than you are i think a lot of people don't realize like every time you say something like that and the longer it goes on it is a straight line graph that from time and time being on the y-axis stress being or you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so no, of time, it is like a very strong correlation with that. Yeah, I mean, the more times you lie to yourself, the more times you, you know, it, it's almost like you're trying to convince yourself of something. Um, and if you're out there doing it, then you don't feel the stress of having to convince yourself. You know, you're, you're doing it. So, you know, the stress levels go way down, the pressure goes down on it. Um, and I remember, I mean, it, it was a little over a year ago, but I was working at BJ's. Uh, I know you remember that, Zach, but yeah. I was working with BJ's uh, handing out Lysol wipes uh, for people to wipe down their carts uh, for COVID. And the whole time I was sitting there, uh, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I, this is not me. This is not what I see myself doing. And, you know, this isn't going to bring me any further. This isn't a step forward. Um, so I knew something had to change. I, I didn't really know what at the time. Um, but I kind of realized that, you know, as long as you make the effort, it, it doesn't matter if you fall short, you're going to learn some very valuable lessons in the process. Yeah. Um, the, so the world rewards you a lot more than people think for even yes. the smallest amount of effort, especially if you're someone who's never even taken one step or even a leap to try something new, even if you fail, I guarantee you your perspective on a lot of things will change. And just like, you'll feel very good about the fact that you actually just tried to do something exactly yeah no and uh you know i got lucky personally uh my my uncle he's a principal agent uh at lux lifestyles and compass and he has the ability to kind of bring me on his team so i had that you know that connection to be able to bring me to where i am right now um but that i look at it as that was my lead you know that was kind of my dive in um i didn't know much about what i was doing uh i didn't you know Prior, I didn't know anything about real estate, um, but it was $500 for the course um, to get your license. And it was 63 hour course, one week, um, nine hour days. And so I was like one week of my life, like, you know, I've seen many weeks go come and pass, you know? I mean, one, <laughs> I'd rather, you know, get some value out of it. Um, I had the time for it and, you know, I just committed to it. Uh, every single day I was on that Zoom call learning. Um, and the more, videos I watched and the more, you know, I kind of looked at real estate and the more I looked at, you know, kind of the value of it. Um, it really just, it was like a magnet. It just drew me towards it. And I was just looking to learn more. I was, I was chasing, you know, more information, more knowledge. Um, and in terms of uh, real estate itself, the, I think the biggest thing to learn is you're never going to know anything or know anything, sorry. Uh, you're never going to know everything. So, I mean, you're going to deal with different clients that, and they're going to have a variety of questions, but you can't prepare for every question that you're going to get asked. Um, and that's just the bottom line. So it's, if it, it's about the hustle of going to get the answer afterwards, uh, you get asked the question, you know, if you're just able to kind of get the answer, um, for those clients, uh, as quick as possible. And I know confidence is a huge part of it. Um, you know, people will kind of see in terms of the value you provide. And in terms of uh, 
the real estate side of things, um, you know, a lot of it was intimidation when I came into it. Um, my confidence levels were very low. Um, I was, I was looking around, I was like, people have been here for 25, 30 years doing this. Like they're very, uh, well-versed in it. They, they know all the areas. I'm sure they have a large client base. How am I going to get a client to choose me over these very experienced great people? And, uh, what I've noticed is a, a lot of the people in this business, I mean, they've kind of gotten comfortable, you know, they, they have their client bases, but they're not really going out and chasing for clients. Um, so I, I kind of realized that putting the time and the effort into going out there and, and putting in that extra mile is, you know, it's worth it. And it makes up for the lack of experience or the lack of, um, you know, connections that you might have, uh, in the area. Cause I didn't know anyone in Jupiter. It was my first time here, uh, when I came down here and, uh, you know, I really started to form that, that network, uh, you know, the more I was just out there talking to people. Dude, watching your uncle walk around Jupiter when we went out to eat in that downtown area, I shit you not, we just walked and ever there's hundreds and hundreds of people there. Every other person that was there was like, oh, hey, Justin, like, hey, how are you doing? Like, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody knew him. And I think kind of what you just talked about kind of lays out kind of the general idea behind you were talking about before we started recording how you power wash someone's patio for the house that you were list or showing them. And that person's now going to remember you and go back to you for that. But it's really true. Like it all starts with power washing someone's deck. And the more times metaphorically you do that, the more people are going to know you. It's, it's like you said, it's just about the extra step. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, that was, uh, I mean, that was one of the uh, earlier clients I got. Um, and she was really motivated and, you know, she said, she didn't give me too much in terms of specifics for what she was looking for, but she said, I'll know it when I see it, when I walk in. Uh, and so what I did is, you know, I, I pulled up 15 to 20 properties and I set up showings for the next three days. Uh, you know, really gave her three days of, you know, uninterrupted, uh, just seeing houses. And it turns out the second house on the third day, uh, I mean, we were pulling into the community and she fell in love. Anyway, she didn't even see the house yet. And uh, when we... Uh, when I talked to the listing agent after the showing, I was like, uh, just wondering if there are any other offers in or any other eyes on the property, because it only had two days on the market. Um, and and I, I don't know how familiar you guys are, but uh, down here, two days on the market, I mean, it, it could be gone within six hours. Like, we have such a large influx of buyers from other states and just no inventory right now. Um, so, I mean, anything that pops up in the 250000 range, you know, there's going to be... 10 to 15 other offers on that property that's just how it is um but for this specific property there was i believe 11 other offers on the property um and you know going into that she fell in love with it so she was willing to put in what she had to to get the house and um sorry this just popped up um but she was willing to you know do whatever she had to do to get the house so i made sure the listing agent knew that uh, and, you know, we put in the offer and we ended up getting it, which was huge. Um, the next morning at 10 a.m., we had our home, home inspector in there. We got the home inspection report by 2 p.m. So everything was all done and organized, uh, you know, within the first two days of even, you know, accepting the offer. Um, and it turned out to be in a two and a half week closing, which was huge. But at the end of it, you know, there was a couple things that were left undone. And, you know, she was a single woman that 
you know, she would have had to pay a decent amount of money to have, have some of those things done. Um, and, you know, I, to power wash her patio, what's that, you know, an hour of my life, but it makes a, a world of a difference in her perspective. Um, so it's really just going out there and going more for the, the people side of it, more than chasing the financial side, side of it. You know, they, they see the difference um, in terms of the motivations of, uh, you know, what's driving you to really work in this industry. Yeah. And I think to add on to that, it is ultimately about the financials, right? And I think that's what a lot of people miss and what you're hitting on um, is that they want a short-term gain. Mm -hmm. So they want to do something. And if there's no immediate reward, and that's why get rich quick schemes work. If there's no immediate reward, then they say, oh, well, this isn't working out. This doesn't work. That's why there's so many real estate, like real estate agents, yeah, <laughs> because, because people start something there. They see people who sell all these homes and they're like, oh, I can do this. I know people, but they're not willing to put in the work over a long period of time. So I think you have that mentality completely right, where in the short term, it's about building those relationships more than it is um, about making a quick buck, right? Anybody can make a quick buck. Um, but that fizzles out over time. So building that network, uh, I think is massively important and understated. Yeah, I think from what both of you guys said too, um, just from having taking the extra time to do things, it really is like, it's, it's honestly, it's simple when I hear it. And just because from talking to Jake and so many other people constantly, but like people really appreciate just when you're kind to them and like do things quickly for them. And if you're someone who's just starting out, like Sam said, there's a lot of, sh lot of shitty real estate agents, just like there's a lot of shitty teachers. There's a lot of shitty this, 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 that. And I think that just should be a message to everyone. Don't be intimidated ever by like the amount of people doing something and look at that as a barrier to entry. If you're a student who's a good student, then you understand the fact that when you're comparing your class ranked someone as irrelevant as something like that is just a good analogy when you compare if you're someone who's in like the top 10 of your class you don't even care about say you have 500 people anyone outside the top 50 never crossed your mind that you're competing with so i think it even circles back to a, a previous podcast that we had where we said that there's a healthy amount of ego that you need to have mm -hmm. and i can see it now in what you're doing maddie where it's making sure you have that healthy amount of ego to get started and know that you can succeed. And it also comes with awareness, knowing that not everyone's good at what they do. And also like making sure you're just kind to everyone and like making sure you're putting in effort that's tangible that people can see, because say you didn't do the power washing, say you just got everything done for her in that two week period, which is very quick for what you do. It, to her, she doesn't see that behind the scenes. She doesn't understand that you have to call all these people, make these arrangements, get the inspector here on time at this day. That's irrelevant to her. So even if it feels like you're doing a lot of work, it's important to understand what your clients see, I would guess, so that you know what you can do that's actually effective in creating that relationship. Definitely. I think, you know, in this world, especially a lot of people um, kind of it's almost like they're trying to paint a picture of, you know, what they want other people to view them as. And so uh, uh, something that lacks a lot in this world right now is authenticity. I, I don't want to say lacks. I want to say it's, it's hard to find, you know, it's not everywhere. Um, so a lot of these clients, especially with dealing 
uh -oh. the transaction. I mean, you look at it, people, they're, they're not, all, it's like we were talking about earlier with um, like the car sales and, you know, home sales, they're not as frequent. Um, you know, not everyone's out there looking for a home all the time. So when they are, um, it's a big choice for them. It's a big decision. And, and really kind of putting that weight into it and realizing how big of a choice and, and kind of sympathizing with your clients. I think that's, it's huge to be able to understand where they're coming from and to not necessarily, um, I guess, portray that, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal or, oh, hey, you can go look at this house or that house. Um, but, you know, it, sorry, <laughs> I just had uh, my help of walking. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, the biggest side of it is just authenticity is what I was circling back to. It's just being yourself and, uh, you know, really being genuine with your clients, I, I think is huge. Um, and they notice it. It's, it's something that stands out among the rest of the people. Yeah, I think authenticity is massive. You know, when we look at this world of with this big push for meta and we've spent all this time online over the past couple of years, people crave that that personal touch. Uh, they crave people who are real because when you're online, you can create a persona of whatever you want. Right? On Instagram, you're not the, normally the same person you are in real life. Whenever you're tweeting things, you, it's the highlights of your life um, or maybe the lowlights, depending on how you position. But people want someone who they feel is real and who's genuine. And I think you just hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, being able to go up to someone and shake their hand. That's why, you know, I, I understood the mask mandates for a while. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're here two, two years later. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think as, as much as it is a, a health side to it, um, in terms of masks, you don't see people's faces anymore. You don't see their smile, you know, and that sort of interaction is, is kind of lacking now. Everyone's going to social media. And if you look at Instagram, like it's really just to highlight real of these people's lives. It's not there every day. Um, so if you're sitting there, you know, being like, oh, I wish I had that, I, you know, I wish I had this, I mean, nothing's stopping you, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty out there to go out and, and chase. So it's, it's all about just picking what your, your path might be. And that could be the hardest decision for some people. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, they, they struggle with, do I want to do this? Or is this something I could see myself doing the rest of my life? Or is this, you know, just another, you know, something that I just want to kind of graze over if it's something that's not going to really pique my interest for that long because um, I know for me in terms of what I'm driven and motivated by I need to you know really be encapsulated by it I need to be like fully interested it needs to have all of my attention um, and so I really found that with real estate and when I first was going into college I had that with being in CJ I, you know I, I saw a lot of potential I saw a lot of different routes I could go down um, but I, I realized that, that there was limited potential with that degree um, and, and going down that route. Um, and it would be a long, long road before I was ever where I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, I wasn't willing to sacrifice, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to be in that position. Um, I feel that if, you know, you really go out there and, and you're, you have that drive, you have that hustle, um, something like real estate was more fitting for me. I think the last thing I really have to say, I mean, of course, everyone feel free to keep going after me, is that like a lot of people, I hate when they ask themselves the question of like, when they go to do something, 
they automatically say to themselves, well, is this something I can do for the rest of my life? Is this something I want to do for the rest of my life? Well, why don't you just go fucking try it and find out instead of speculating? Like, as you were saying before, it was like about a year and a half ago that we were all hanging out at Myrtle. There's caution tape outside the damn house because someone just got shot or something. And like, there's cars flying up and down the road, all these people on ATVs, like... And people, people like to look around themselves and think like, oh, I can never get from here to there in any amount of time. Like, no, it's exactly what you said. It's just, just go out and do something. Like you said, you went from handing out Lysol wipes and we would chill at you guys' apartment with all of that stuff going on. And all it took for you was to say, I should try this. And then now you're sitting in a beautiful place in Florida down there. It's always sunny. You live by the beach and now you're doing what you like to do. It's, it's amazing how quickly things can change when you just walk outside of your environment and make one for yourself rather than stay in the one that was given to you. Exactly. And I mean, if you look at the, the environment we were in, it, I mean, it was, it was more of a cycle, you know, in, in the college life, everyone, you know, they look forward to Friday and Saturday and you know, and then all of a sudden it's the same thing next week. And so I feel like I kind of got trapped in a cycle and I, I had to get myself out of it. I, I lost, I lost the interest in it. And in terms of uh, myself, I couldn't see myself doing that for too long. Um, and I knew it didn't lead to anything, you know, great on my side. Um, and so I thought, you know, I, I'm this age now and I'm in this position in this uh, location and I was like, you know, I don't have much to lose. I'm in central Massachusetts, you know, making three to four bucks a week. Like, I mean, I worst case scenario, if this doesn't work out, then I can go right back. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. uh, yeah, it was all about, you know, just taking that dive and, and getting into it. And the, once I was down here, I was sold. I was like, you know, going back home wasn't an option. Um, and, and it's kind of having that switching your mentality to, you know, more going with the flow to, I don't have an option and success is mandatory for me. Um, and, and, you know, being able to make it mandatory and, and, you know, be able to lay out all the steps that you need to do was something that I've never done before. I've never been able to set my goals and then achieve them. Um, and so I started setting goals and achieving them. And I realized how, how good that made me feel. And if you do set those goals at a higher level to something that you think you can't achieve, say you fall short, I mean, you're 50% further than if you never tried, you know what I mean? Um, so it's all about really just setting the goals and chasing them. And if you fall short, I mean, make sure your goals are high enough to you're in a comfortable spot falling short on those goals. Well, and to that point, I agree with that completely. Uh, the goal setting and defining how you're going to get to your goal is massive, right? Um, and you'd really do have to come to an end of yourself in the sense that you have to get to a point where the status quo is not acceptable. Because if you're comfortable in doing what you're doing, you may not like it, but if you're comfortable enough, that's going to kill any chance that you're going to actually take risk. And so you've got to get to a point where you say, this is not the kind of life that I want to live anymore. And then from there, you have to design your own life. And I think a lot of people struggle with the conceptualization of design and don't really realize that that's, that's a possibility yeah, to design something outside of the norm. You can design how you want to live your life. It's so cool. That's, that's how I've always felt. And it comes with that little bit of ego that you can look at the world and you're like, I can do anything. Like literally 
you can go move anywhere. You can start doing anything you want. And it sounds so simple, but it's something you don't really grasp until you do start doing something. And to what you guys are saying, I think that really is the power of throwing yourself into the fire. Like Maddie, you're talking about where you didn't know anything about real estate. You just knew that whatever outcome was going to come from be doing, doing that was going to be better than what you were doing before. And throwing yourself into the fire really does like, it forces you into that mindset of like, okay, failure is not an option. Cause if I fail, I am SOL'd. I mean, it's, it's even, I, I know for myself, I, I perform best under pressure when the pressure's on, I, I can, you know, I can do what I have to do. And I've always been that way when it comes from school, everything, when I had an essay due, I was writing it the night before and it came out, you know, I'd get, you know, a 90 to a hundred on it. Yeah. And it's like, but if I tried to sit down five days before the essay was due and write it, you know, I'd get nothing done. It's just, I don't know uh, what it is or where it comes from. But I knew that if I, you know, kind of just tossed myself down here, I, I'd figure it out. But it's, it's having faith in yourself and it's having a belief that you can get it done. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, completing small actions and small tasks. If you set something for yourself, a goal for yourself, or you say, I'm going to do this, you know, every day or every two days, do it. Because if you don't do it and you're lying to yourself, you won't have the confidence that it takes to be able to take that step up and, and reach that next level. Um, and I think it's honestly never, I mean, a lot of people are looking for comfort and they're looking to be able to, um, you know, find something that they can uh, rely on for a long time. Um, but the way I looked at real estate was, you know, you get paid based on how hard you work, how much you apply yourself. And, you know, a lot of people treat real estate like a part-time job. And that's just, it, you know, you can do that for some side income, but in terms of, um, like being successful in real estate, it takes your everything, you know, it needs to be your full-time job. It needs to be your full focus. Um, and I mean, I look at what Jake's doing with real estate and he's what bought like 10 properties. I think he's bought something absurd like that. He's killing it right now. Um, and so I see him on social media and, and you know, what he's doing. And I, you know, avidly follow him and he's, uh, I mean, every time he's, getting something done, it pushes me. I'm like, oh, I need to step up. I need to get something done. Like, it's just, it kind of, I, I feed off seeing other people uh, succeed and go out and hustle and get stuff done. It, it like inspires me. And it's like, well, you know, I can do it. I have the capability of it. You know, I just have to commit myself to it. Um, and, you know, I, I really just, I kind of established the trust of myself that, you know, diving down here, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with uncertainty and, you know, I, I have kind of that faith and belief in myself that like, you know, I'll figure it out when it comes time, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get there, but I'm not going to prevent myself from ever being able to get there by, you know, being fearful of some hypothetical circumstance. So it's, you know, kind of just, you know, getting all your ducks in a row and, and, you know, just taking it one step at a time. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm all set. Sam, do you have any more? No, I think, I think to summarize the takeaway here is um, get to a point where you're not okay with the status quo. It's the only thing that's going to push you there. Then set a goal for how you want your life to look in all aspects, whether that's financially, uh, emotionally, relationally. What do you want your relationships to look like? What do you want your finances to look like? What do you want your overall life to look like? You know, I don't want my life to look like drinking Mai Tais on the beach all day. That's not, 
It's not my desire. It might be someone else's, but it's not mine. So I construct my life in a way where I can get to this point. Set a timeline, right? I don't think that I'm going to be retired in two years. That's not a realistic timeline. That's stupid. But set a realistic timeline for how you're going to do it. Shoot, shoot big. You can accomplish a lot more in 10 years than you think you can. And then lay out the goals in time increments of how you're going to get there for each aspect of your life. After that, you got to execute. (laughs) You got to, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable because it's not going to be fun. And those plans, it's great to have a roadmap, but you know what? I can put my GPS that I need to be somewhere in an hour and I can leave at the time I need to be there, but someone else can get in an accident and I can be 30 minutes late. It just happens. That's how things go. So be willing to be flexible. But um, after that, you've just got to persevere. You got to keep pushing through the hard times and you're going to go a lot farther than you think. So that's how I would summarize things. I think you're killing it, man. Um, look forward to where you are in, in the next 12 months, the next six months. Um, and appreciate all the insight you've shared with everybody today. Yeah, no, I really uh, I appreciate you guys having me. And- yeah, bro, I'm proud of you. It's, it's fun to see you do all this shit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's... Uh- and Sam, I think I'm gonna run through a wall after hearing that. That was great. <laughs> you know, it got me going. And then uh, I talked to some clients. <laughs> All right. With that being said, I hope you enjoyed listening us listening to a shit on Tesla for about three, four minutes in the beginning, because that's always fun. And I hope you got at least a few takeaways out of this. I know there was more than one, many more than one. And with that being said, thank you for listening to the Capital Gains Podcast, episode forty-three, and we will see you in a couple days. Bye, guys. Bye. How do you st- 101 sound. Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah, getting it every day. I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah, I'm getting it every day. These niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new.